Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own Brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado Smith, and I am the alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the Tanguay train disaster. Here's what you need to know. Mount Rapehu is the largest active volcano in New Zealand. In March of 1945, it began an eruptive phase that would last months, causing damage to houses and crops of nearby villages, as well as irritation from smoke and ash to the residents. After the eruptions, the peak of Mount Rapehu filled with rainwater and melted snow and formed a large lake, held together by an elevated bank known as the Tefra Dam, which is made of volcanic ash and sediment. After the eruptions, the peak of Mount Rapehu filled with rainwater and melted snow and formed a large lake held together by an elevated bank known as a Tefra Dam, which is made of volcanic ash and sediment. Over subsequent years, as the lake filled with more water, the pressure on the walls became greater and a disaster loomed on the horizon. On Christmas Eve 1953, the Tefra Dam at Mount Rapehu Crater Lake collapsed, sending millions of tons of water and a lahar, or mud flow, rushing down the Wagehu River. Miles away, unaware of the dangers ahead, an express locomotive left Wellington Station at 3 p.m. on its way to Auckland. Its tracks led the 285 passengers and crew to a bridge on the Wagehu River in Tangaway, which was now violently rushing with lahar. At 10.20 p.m., the train passed through the Tangaway Railway Station toward the river. As they approached the bridge, going between 40 to 50 miles per hour, the driver of the train, Charles Parker, shut off the steam and initiated an emergency air brake application. 
the train's fireman, Lance Redman, cut off the oil supply valve. Either they saw the dangerous river conditions, or heeded the warning of Cyril Ellis, a local man who tried to alert the oncoming train by waving a flashlight as they passed. But it was too late. The train reached the bridge, which was sagging and damaged by the lahar. The bridge collapsed and sent the locomotive, its tender or fuel car, and five passenger cars into the freezing water and slurry. A sixth car teetered on the edge before its coupling broke and it fell. Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats According to New Zealand history, of the 285 passengers and crew on board, 151 died in New Zealand's worst railway accident. The Tanguai tragedy killed more people than the combined total of all the other rail accidents in New Zealand history. There were more than 100 private funerals. 21 unidentified victims were buried in a grave at Wellington's Karori Cemetery. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello, hello. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. And our very special guest is great friend Billy Scafiri. Hello. Hi. And I just want to remind our listeners about Billy's podcast, No Joke Podcast. Correct, Bill? Oh, yes. That is my podcast. I didn't know if I was supposed to remind the listeners of my podcast, the No Joke Podcast. <laughs> it's a little early, you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at our photo. We're all drinking coffee. We're having what time a morning. Of day, what time of day do you guys usually record, Bill? The podcast? It's usually after 8 a.m., which is the time that we're recording right now. Oh. <laughs> so no later. excuse for us, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but coffee's going to do its magic, as we know. Coffee oh my will do God. its magic. But, you know, we like to start off the show, Billy, as you know, by asking our guests, what is something that is recently alarming you? What is something that is keeping you up at night? Just got back from the island of Hawaii's and folks, there are no predators for chickens on the island and chickens run the island. And you know what? Too many chickens keeps Bill up at night. So too many chickens on the island of Kauai is what I'm alarmed by. Wow. So are, are they just mm. running? Do they uh, do they they're have... running amok? Do you know that? <laughs> what, word, do you, what do you think is going to happen to you <laughs> with too many chickens? Um, it's the driving. Suddenly you're not looking for other cars. You are now constantly looking on the road for how many chickens am I also swerving around? Driving in and of itself can be stressful. But now when you're looking down on the ground for how many roosters are crossing the road, it's too much. It became too stressful. You're looking in too many directions. Way too many. You just want to be looking forward. But when you're looking down, suddenly there's just too much responsibility. Mm -hmm. There's no predators. Uh, There's almost no animals on the island of Kauai. I guess you are. The and, car. Well, that's that's exactly it. And so I had to take that responsibility seriously. But if I had my <laughs> druthers, a few did less you kill chickens. as many as you could while you were there. I, I tried. I tried. They give you a little bag to put them in, and then you return them at the airport, and you Stop. get your tickets like a carnival game when you wow. when you're flying home. If you if you had your druthers, would you mm-hmm. run a mock? If I had my druthers, I would run a mock. <laughs> what 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 is a a predator for a chicken? I guess just like a, a fox or fox yeah. and a wolf. Wolf, fox, yeah. a wolf, and the bag of grain. Yeah. So Billy, this is your second time doing our podcast, and first time we did an Australia the emu, you know, disaster. Another yeah. bird run run amok. Another bird species. <laughs> yes. Run amok. If that bird had its drothers, it would run amok. Mm-hmm. We find that to be true with birds when you do the podcast. I'm so I'm so glad this is not about birds. This one is not about birds because that would you would never stop saying that. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, no, no, no. This is this is New Zealand. So in the same continent, I, I guess you're going to be our 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 guest for this continent. If there's any sort of thunder down under, I, l- I would love to get a call. Let's put it that way. If <laughs> sure. there's any sort of thunder, even if it's just actual thunder, if there's just weather patterns happening in New Zealand and Australia that you want to talk about, you can call me up and we could talk about that thunder. Hey, Bill. Under. Absolutely. No problem, mate. Oh, Come yeah. This what is a, a gift. What yes. a gift. <laughs> this is a, a, gift. a really good time to inform our <laughs> listeners about Clayton's very bad New Zealand accent that he... Um, 
He no tries way. to do it. It's so good. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's really good. Have you guys Sorry. watched White Spot Lotus? On. Have you guys watched White Lotus yes. on oh, HBO? Clayton, yeah. that is, you are uh, that man when you do um, that voice. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah, for so, sure. So um, let's, you know, it's, it's a, a perfect uh, transition. Um. <laughs> wow. You really showed up for that. <laughs> you, you really embodied a perfect transition right there. I would, I would, seamless. Just cried seamless, away into it. Effortless. <laughs> I really, I wish you could see my face right now. I just put my hand on my head. Um, she just crawled into bed mid-sentence. So that's a seamless anyway, transition. We need to talk about this terrible tragedy. And I just want to get started by maybe doing a PSA about names. Just before we even dive into the specifics of this tragedy. So according to New Zealand history, the place name Tangawai means weeping waters in Maori. So Oof. Maori. Maori. Um, can we get a double check on that? I'm like ninety-nine percent. Remember that was where Jackson oh. uh Jack uh um Mike's cousin, that guy Ray Jackson, his girlfriend, oh, she's Maori. Maori. Maori is the na- native uh, people of New Zealand, is the Maori. Okay, perfect. Now, we will not make the uh, mistake we did with the emus. Um, they are emus. Yeah. Nothing quite <laughs> like doing an entire podcast about something, and then when it's over, finding out we all were saying it wrong the whole time. Like, <laughs> that's, hum- that's humbling. That's a nightmare. This is that's a little humbling. Like a half a dozen of alarmist episodes. Half a dozen. That's oh, we, we get read to filth when it happens. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, why? D- I, my, here's my question. Why do people insist on using names that evoke sadness, right? Like Weeping Waters. I also have a problem with the name Dolores. Why? <laughs> uh, because it means pain. Dolores it? is, yeah, it's the literal translation is pain. There's also another name, oh. Angustia. I don't know. Uh, you probably have never heard of it. There's a, the male version is Angustia. Um, anyway, mm. it means anguish. Why are you naming mm. your kid Anguish? <laughs> i'll be the first to admit when we were when you were talking about names and why they're sad i wasn't expecting to go from weeping waters to dolores that fast it's a big jump for me really it was the uh, it was the only thing i could think about i was like i was thought these were gonna be like native american names like he who cries with child weeping waters but you went dolores what about uh what about t-pain what yeah that's just t-pain it's like pain in your t-joint pretty good that's Pretty good. good. <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, don't do anything with pain. Uh, but I digress. This is all right. This is we a took the etymological approach here. Now let's both work our way backwards. Yeah, because it's a particularly sad disaster. Um, because of the timing, really, of the accident, just Tough kind timing. of ad- adds a lot. You know, adds to the sense of the tragedy. This is according to New Zealand history. Most of those on the train were heading home for Christmas, armed with presents for friends and family. Those waiting to meet their loved ones on at the various stations up the line had no sense of the tragedy unfolding on the volca- volcanic plateau. Over the following days, searchers found many battered, mud-soaked presents, toys, and teddy bears on the banks of the Wangaehu River. So, I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, you're you're on the way home to celebrate with your family, and it's just such a sad visual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, it feels like, I mean, like if, so, if a plane crash in June to me is as dramatic as a plane crash on December 25th, personally, like both are terrible. The presence on, on board don't make it any more dramatic. Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. Sure. I would, I would agree uh, in spirit. I mean, any tragedy where this many people uh, die is just horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that the, the timing of the, the, the lake and the, uh, the lake breaking, which is a geological kind of like phenomenon happening on Christmas or Christmas Eve is yeah. sort of, I mean, it's just yeah. a significant, significant day for some. Yeah. And uh, regardless of the presence, it was just, it just is sort of adds a dramatic flair, but I guess That's you're fair. right. There's nothing, That's fair. there's nothing more than that. It's but. the expectation. It's like Christmas is a happy time. Birthdays, weddings, these things are like happy right. times. So you assume so it seems like, oh, I have all days for this to happen on this happy time where we should be gathering. Mm-hmm. Just, I, get I stand it. corrected. I stand corrected Terrible. now. 
I walk uh, back my comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is according to Environment and Society uh, website. Uh, pungent oil from the loc- locomotive added to the foul cocktail. Survivors never forgot its smell or consistency. John Karam, sorry, Joan Karam, who escaped the third carriage, struggled to endure the water's icy temperatures, an indicator of its glacial origins. Richard Edward Ted Brett, a young plumber, was swept to the sh- to a sheltered part of the river and used rock climbing experience to surmount the riverbank. For the rest of his life, the smell of oil fumes would feel like an unbearable attack upon his body. So hmm. a, a lot of trauma, uh, also because of the oil. And it, I mean, it must have been just one second. You're, I, I don't know. At 10 o'clock, I'm on a train. I'm probably sleeping. I'm right. probably taking a little snooze. And then to wake up to just that kind of chaos. Oh, and it wasn't a, an instant death for many of them. You know, they right. most of them did drown. So you they were aware what was happened of what was happening just terrible it's unthinkable really um but uh but 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 neither of these things i would say are 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 board uh worthy right we're not going to put the, no uh, i this is just a little bit of backstory so we understand the situation mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. like kind of the aftermath of of when the uh the 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 tra- you know the accident mm-hmm. was the occurring happened yeah right. um so uh you know, they, they mentioned that farmers, others, uh, farmers and others with property in the banks of this river as far as the sea, um, they asked, this was uh, the prime minister asked the farmers and the others with properties on the banks of the river as far as the sea to keep a close watch of bodies and to send reports to the nearest police station. About 60 bodies were recovered by locals and uh, some of the 20 bodies that were never recovered may have been washed out to sea. So not everyone was found after this. That's a, I mean, imagine getting that call from like a, a government official, like watch for bodies coming down the river near your house. That's well, awful. This was uh, the, the prime minister. This right. was part of his broadcast, his big mm. like speech that, uh, you know, wh- where he told the nation about this terrible tragedy. And by the way, if you see any bodies, let us know. Right. So uh, may I ask I a think, question really, yeah, yeah. about yeah. about how we got to this flood? So was it that a, a lake was created, a dam was broken, the water rushed through the dam and then broke through a bridge that knocked down a train? Is that the series of events that that's happened? That's pretty, here? yeah, that's pretty accurate. So let, let's talk about this volcano eruption first, and let's put okay. this 1945 volcano eruption up on the board. Got this it. is accor- according to Quake Center, the 1945 Mount Repeyu. Uh, I think I'm saying that right. I wrote it down. I'll tell you in a second. Rapehu. According to uh, the 1945 Mount Rapehu volcanic eruption, it had caused the formation of a natural volcanic rock and ash barrier at its crater rim. A warning from geologists that the state of the crater wall was a reason for concern, unfortunately, went largely ignored by authorities. On Christmas Eve 1953, the Crater Lake Dam fil- finally gave way. Ever since Mount Rapeu, as well as other volcanoes, uh, crater lakes and dams throughout the country have been strictly scientifically monitored. What was immediately recognized with the Tangaway disaster was the need for an accurate understanding of what Mount Rapehu's crater lake wrist looked like, says dam safety intelligence engineer Dan Forrester. A number of scientific and engineering assessments were undertaken and work carried out with dam and internal erosion experts to determine the potential failure mode. So there's a volcanic eruption and the geologists are called in and they're like, this is going to be bad. Mm -hmm. But I guess they didn't have anything to compare it to at the time. So I kind of want to put up on the board as well, a lack of risk assessment. Okay. On the issue. Because I asked Google, what is a simple definition of risk assessment? And they gave it to me as if Google's a person. (laughs) Risk assessment is a term used to describe the overall process or method where you identify hazards and risk factors that have the potential to cause harm. Analyze and evaluate the risk associated with that hazard. So geologists 
they did their you know job. They warned the authorities that the crater rim was a reason for concern, but these warnings were largely ignored. So what happens is over the next few years, the crater slowly filled with water. Yeah. What would they have done? I mean, like it's on top of a volcano, like what well, they have because it's natural. It's a natural lake, right? You're not, are you going to go up there? Did, right, right. What go they ahead. did afterwards was install. Well, what they did afterwards, because this is probably going to happen again. And like you're saying, Clayton, what are they going to do? Build the lake walls? Like they're not going to do that. Um, but what they did afterwards, I think they created a, an alarm system. Right. Mm-hmm. It gives them 45 minutes to kind of clear. So I'm assuming if it's overfilling the brim, the rim of the crater, then People they're going to stop. Yeah. Evacuate. You're not going to let the trains go by for 45 minutes until the area has been checked. Hmm. Right. Well, but you had also. Sorry, Google. No, I was just going to ask. They didn't have like some sort of system of sucking it out. Or like some sort of like water removal. It just seemed like they were like, it's going to get filled and then we'll have to figure it out. You, like, you mean you like, a, like a, a good Dyson like vacuum? Yeah, exactly. Like a Dyson shark or like a big a wet, wet vac. vac. Um, yeah. We're talking about 70 million tons of water. It's a, kind of a lot. And it's at the top of a mountain? A volcano. Yeah. Volcano? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, but have you ever had that bucket in the backyard that just gets filled up with rainwater? And at some point you're like... I, it's my job to tip that thing over. Otherwise, yeah, more rain's going to come in. Where are you going to tip it over? You're going to walk it down the mountain? Well, this is why I think New Zealand needs some sort of gutter system or mm, something to at okay. least get. So when we scoop the water out, we have somewhere to put it. I'm just saying it didn't sound I like. I mean, it's not a bad idea to have like, is there a way you can just like poke a little hole towards the bottom? So it's like constantly running into the river. And, yes. But I mean, That's, I would imagine that would cost so much and would be like a very hard engineering feat that that might be but maybe that's but adam i mean but clayton think about how many lives were lost you just think about the cost of that i'm sorry i have five friends and you're one of them (laughs) i have five friends and you're one of them (laughs) i'm with clayton though i do think that they're really unless you're saying we're cool with it filling up to the top and then we'll send out a 45 minute heads up there needs to be some sort of system i think to at least move some of that water but otherwise you want this a drainage inevitable. system but a gutter <laughs> i'm going to i, I really hope we get a geology yeah <laughs> okay no straws no straws Billy brought up straw i think we're going to need to get a geologist on the horn uh, to explain yeah. how volcanoes and uh craters work but like, another uh-huh. yeah go ahead yeah <laughs> so so this this crater full of water then leads to something called a lahar so let's put the lahar up on the board okay and this is according to volcano hazards usgs united states geological survey lahar is an indonesian term that describes a hot or cold mixture of water and rock fragments that flows down the slopes of a volcano and typically enters a river valley. A moving lahar looks like a rolling slurry of wet concrete, and it rushes downstream. The size, speed, and amount of material carried can constantly change. The initial flow may be relatively small, but a lahar may grow in volume as it entrains and incorporates anything in its path. Rock, soil, vegetation, and even buildings and bridges. Voluminous lahars commonly grow to more than 10 times their initial size as they move down slope. In steep areas, lahars can exceed speeds of 200 kilometers per hour or 120 miles per hour. So that's a literal blob. That's yes. the blob. Of concrete, yes. of wet concrete. <laughs> it just it's consumes like a everything and gets... Remember that movie, The Blob? How it would yes. just consume things and it just kept getting bigger and bigger? Yes. Yeah. That must have been the inspiration. It's, <laughs> I can't Lahar. imagine. Lahar. Um, so it, it goes on here. This is according to New Zealand history. Lahars are a recurring natural el- event associated with Mount Rap- Rapehu. I'm saying that wrong. Rapehu? Megan Rapino. No, you're saying it right. Okay, Rapehu. <laughs> Megan Rapino. <laughs> nice, Bill. Um, in the investigation the f- that followed the 1953 tragedy, it was discovered that a lahar had substanti- uh, substantially weakened the rail bridge in Tangawai in ni- 1925. So this is, it had already happened in 1925. Mm-hmm. A warning from amateur geologists that the state of the crater wall was a reason for concern had largely been ignored by the authorities. In 1954, a board of inquiry assisted by James Healy, the superintending geologist at the Geological Survey, DSIR, 
concluded that no one was to blame for the disaster. The police found no evidence that legal blame could be attached to any party, and there were no prosecutions. Yeah. <laughs> well, we we are we are not the police. We are the alarmist, mm-hmm. uh, and we do uh, we do have to come up with a prosecution and put somebody in jail. That's right. We point fingers. Uh, we do. Imagine we do. one podcast where we said no one was to blame. I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine. No, that's no, our goal. We got to find it's, that disaster at that point it's time to shut it down i think think we've at that point we've lost our will that's that's fake podcasting right there (laughs) so Um, because of that because we must find something to blame i want to put um well let's put a few other things up on the board uh mm -hmm. second class carriage So this is a really, really sad part. New Zealand history says almost everyone killed at Tangaway was traveling in a second class carriage, 158 out of the 151. Traditionally located at the front of the train, these were more affected by the noise, smoke, coal dust and fumes of the locomotive. Something those in first class paid to avoid in a head on collision or derailment, second-class passengers were at greater risk of death or injury. There you go. Something, That's something, something I always wondered why in, in on a plane, first-class is in the front. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It makes sense. The locomotive on the front, this first-class is in the back because of the smoke, I guess. Yeah. Um, and Although, uh, here's my question. At some point, the train has to go back in the other direction, and then the first-class is going to be in the front, right? Um, I don't. I think you're thinking of a subway. Is that how that works? No, I don't. No, I don't no, think... no. Because the trains don't turn around; they just go one direction on the track and then the other direction. I don't well, back, think so. Back then, well, the locomotive Clay. had to be always in the front. Right, yeah. but right. they have locomotives on both ends of trains. Hmm. We're gonna have to look into. What about that, the Chris? caboose? <laughs> but what about that caboose? Where does that go on the roof? I no. That's that's gotta go in the back. I think Clayton. I think these trains turned around. I don't it think was a giant loop. You think it was a they, giant loop? Uh, yeah. I mean, at the something? end, at the end of the train track, I guess, you I know guess. what I mean? Interesting question. I don't think it's going to be a giant loop. That doesn't. No, I think you got to move the people. I think you got to well, be like, gonna, all right, you got no, to go you, to you the get other the side of the train. Out of the train. <laughs> Look at We're, us. <laughs> there's, there's an answer to this. There's an answer to this. And we don't know it. Yeah. I know okay. there's those things where you can drive a train onto it and the whole thing rotates and then Love it turns around. But like, can you imagine how long that would take to do like an entire a lot of times trains time. come in one way and then they leave the other and there's Just, motors on both ends. For right, the record, right. I think you're right. I think the passengers have to be off the train at this point. It's probably happens at the end of the railway. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like a ride where it's like, OK, <laughs> <laughs> no, we turned the train around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a good question. I'm uh, it's a logistical issue that they figured out a hundred, two hundred years ago. Right. And we're just like spinning our it's wheels. A good question. It's a good question. But the, <laughs> needless to say, you know, the point of it is that you know, these uh, these were the the people who paid. This was the economy class, essentially. Right. This is big Titanic energy too. Yeah, it was like mm-hmm. all the people on the bottom of the boat who couldn't get out on time. Yeah, mm-hmm. that and that is True just that. so sad. You know, that just like the price of admission kind of puts you at greater risk. Right. It's that, funny that to think be. about like second class is not just like, oh, you can't afford this like upgraded luxury. It's like uh, you're actually we're just putting you more at risk. Like, yeah. whatever, whenever way you're traveling, like you're going to die first. Right. Exactly. Like at least on a plane, it really is just like a little bit more luxury, I think, you know, because it, you can't you don't right. know if, if the plane goes down. You just don't know what part of it is going to be well, affected more actually, you know do you know that little curtain that they pull to separate yeah. first and se- that's uh actually a force field <laughs> yep. so they're, no. they're, they're protected better than coach. yeah that's the black box that's indestructible the black box. that curtain is indestructible it looks pretty dinky but it's pretty amazing the material yeah. just it's not if from you touch Earth. it you got a shock they check your ticket and if you touch it if you're a second class citizen you get a big shock yeah, you yeah. get blown away just, it sends yeah. you right back to your seat how do you how do you get the uh the ticket for second class citizen is it something you apply for what do you mean just like in in life or on a specific vehicle <laughs> 
I don't know. Billy said it was a sec. If you're a second class citizen, oh, well, yeah. If you sit in yeah. coach, you're you're in second class because oh, the first oh. class is in the front, so the oh. second class sits in the back. Yeah, but you're you ticket- have to be invited by a first class citizen to become a first class citizen. Yeah, that's in what I'm saying. I'm just wondering what the legal program. process. <laughs> what is the legal process of becoming a first class citizen? Because. I'm interested, is all I'm saying. <laughs> invite only. It's like going to the Magic Castle. You have to have that invite. Um, how, how do you want to categorize that in terms of something to blame? Um, uh, 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 something about like, you know. Uh, classism? Che- classism. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say cheaper tickets or greater danger, but that's bulky. Mm. <laughs> classism there- kind of. Is there an, an an inherent danger in being uh, in the front? Besides this, this might not. I'm just wondering if this tragedy is unique in that way, right? Um, or is it you says, think there is an inherent danger yes, in being the first? Sure. Cars? It says usually- here, yeah, that there was second class passengers were at greater risk of death or injury. Because okay. if a train is flying along a track and you've seen these like overhead shots, it's usually the first six, seven cars that are derailed and flying all over and the back uh, cars okay, eventually okay. slow down yeah. because of the mm-hmm. impact. Okay. I never thought of that, but now I will only always ride at the in the back of the train, mm. even on the subway. Mm. <clears throat> um, anyway, let's put the design of the bridge up on the board. This is according to Fascinating Horrors documentary on YouTube. An investigation was conducted and the design of the bridge was called into question. The crossing Mm. had been designed specifically to resist flooding and the impact of lahars, but it had been built in 1908 based on what was known then about the size and power of lahars that were likely to impact it. The lahar Mm. that impacted the bridge had been larger in magnitude and more destructive than had been anticipated back then. Ultimately, nobody was found to blame for the disaster. Okay, so this is... Um, this makes me feel like we should uh, hearkening back to our Genoa bridge collapse, a, a lack of uh, you know infrastructure or maintenance. Maintenance. Um, you got to consider what? inflation. Things get bigger. Lahars yeah. are going to grow, gang. If we if think you, the same yeah. old lahars from the 1800 mm. are going to be here in tw- in 2000, you're wrong. You're yeah. right. It's, it's like it. lack of time machines, honestly, is what, mm. what really... <laughs> because mm. like they just didn't know... And so now we're, but deep you know, down, you know, deep down, you know, so you're, the, the, you got to assume the townspeople have been like, yo, between you and me, have the Lahar's been a little bit bigger lately. Everyone's playing a little dumb <laughs> until <laughs> you know how people are. So, Billy, the way you you uh, prepare yourself is just to assume things will be worse. Yes, gossip that things gossip that I've seen things getting bigger and getting worse and hope that someone with power listens to me. <laughs> You're a true alarmist. Um, there you go. That is a good alarmist instinct. <laughs> um, and I, I know we're almost running out of time here, so, so I want to put something that I came across uh, up on the board, and that is lost love. Oh, tell me so, about it. This is according to MountRepayWho.com. In Maori storytelling, Mount Repayhu was a female mountain. And it is, it sits b- beside the male Mount Tungariru. Mount Tungariru. Of I'm probably saying that wrong. Um, and was at one point wedded to Mount Taranaki. Repehu was said to be a beautiful maiden. One day, while her husband Taranaki was away, she was seduced by the masculine Mount Tungariru. Yep. This infidelity was discovered by Taranaki as he returned. In a fit of anger, Taranaki attacked Tongariru, but this was defeated. Devastated, Taranaki retreated away from his place by Repehu and headed towards the west coast of New Zealand. Mm -hmm. In his original location on the east side of the Tama Saddle, he left behind what is called Ru Taranaki or the Pit of Taranaki. Understandably, the great weight of the mountain in motion carved a trail along the landscape of New Zealand. This trail eventually came to be known as the Wanganeo River. Did I say that right? I hope so. Upon reaching the west coast, Taranaki decided to move northwards and rest near the sea. His resting ground came depressed under his great weight. This came to be known as... Te, the Te Nagar swamp, swamp. 
apologies for that. Um, the what, Rebecca? It was a swamp. It's a swamp. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, the, the, the <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. It's a swamp. Uh, eventually, Taranaki came to his present location from which he watches his lost love. On clear days, the two mountains are still visible with the naked eye. Perhaps it, it is this visibility that causes some tension in the mountains, which in turn causes the volcanic activity of the mountains. The mist, which can be uh, seen drifting eastward from the top of Taranaki, is said to be the physical manifestation of his love for her, while the activity of Rupehu is her size for her lost love. Nearby Tongariru, being a masculine mountain is sometimes witnessed smoldering and smoking, which is his anger for never being able to have repehu. This is like, this is the childhood fable that like a parent tells their kid and they're like, what happened Correct. to the volcano? And the parent's like, okay, so let's just make this interesting for you so you can go to bed. Right. <laughs> well, children, this, this is a children's book. Well, this is the legend. This is the actual um, uh, Mari legend. Am I saying Maori right? Oh, I, I'm so sorry. Maori, yes. I apologize. Yeah. I apologize to the people of New Zealand. I will say people like to. I just was in Hawaii, and there was a bunch of mountains there that also had legends behind them. And it seems like at some point in civilization, you know, you just have to make sense of the things that you're seeing. Yeah. It's kind of how you like create the gods from the stars yeah. and you, the faces mm. in the mountains. Mm. And this feels to Clayton's point where it was just like. Have we talked about that mountain yet? Okay. Uh, <laughs> like telling your kid you've run out of stories. There's a beautiful just story like, about it. I'm, I yeah, like that it. one, uh, that was a guy who lost love and I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's interesting to think though, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a... Uh, there it's a try it's a love a literal love mountain triangle <laughs> i feel like true. this is like um you know they did this for moana it's like this is like the opening um you know like a little short that they do before the actual yeah. movie. Like, this should be a pixar yes, short that's true this, two mountains falling in love mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean is there anything else we want to put up on the list i feel like we covered I'm, love i'm always going to blame the engineer on things like this I'm always going to blame the engineer. Like of about what? the bridge or the uh, yeah, the bridge, the bridge engineering yeah. or the bridge, the actual engineer. Well, whoever didn't have the foresight to say things change, people change, climate changes. And so does this bridge. This ah. bridge has to change as well. If you're not changing okay. with the times, you're getting left behind. And okay. sadly, the Lahars, um, they didn't they didn't stop growing. They didn't stop improving. And ultimately, they won the war and there were casualties and people got hurt. But we needed to adapt to these changing lahars. We needed one of those curtains that separates the first class and the coach, the, mm. a force field of some sort to stop these huge glaciers falling down the mountains and killing our people. I hear you. I hear you, Bill. Um, and you Thank just you. reminded me that we, we do need to give the big clap to someone. Okay. And uh, this person is Cyril Ellis. I'll tell you a little bit about him. New Zealand history says the leading first class carriage, Car Z, teetered on the severed bridge and was okay so this a little backstory here Sarah Ellis was driving with his I believe wife and mother-in-law and came across the the bridge and saw that it you know it just didn't look right to him mm. so suddenly he gets out of the car and he sees the incoming train that's about to go on the bridge. So he goes back to his car. He brings out a flashlight. He starts waving the flashlight, and the the tr the conductor sees the sees the flashlight, realizes mm -hmm. what is happening, and actually starts to put the brakes on. And mm. uh, eventually, that does save the the back end of the train. Right. They all would have there just go. gone right into the river then. Huh? Yes. If not for that. So on top of that, so Cyril is witnessing this disaster he sees the train go down and there's one car which is the car z which is they're talking about that's teetering on the bridge so mm. Cyril boards this car with a guard william inglis and they're trying to get the people out of the car right before you know just to save them but it crashes down below so it falls down with Cyril and this guard who boarded it oh no mm. 
So it was dangling. Did was they survive when he went in? Well, here's don't the get thing. into a dangling train car, folks. But he, he wants to save the people. He's mm-hmm. a hero. I get it. But well, ooh, here dangling train cars are the worst train cars. There's a sort of a good ending. Uh, when it came to rest, Ellis, Inglis, and one of the passengers, John Holman, managed to get all but one of the 22 passengers through the broken window and onto the side of the car. Uh, Of the carriage. As the floodwaters receded, the survivors were able to form a human chain and make their way back to the bank. Wow. Mm. What a story. I know. And I I was listening to a podcast where they, I I guess it was some interview with him before he passed. I believe he passed away in 1995. Um, But they they were interviewing him and he says, you know, he, he still had nightmares and 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 uh, anxiety about having left that one person in the car mm. because Oof, they had they had the i believe suitcases and the 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 seats they were under the, you know they had fallen on top of right. this this w- young woman um and and he was trying to get her out but it, he ended up having to leave and couldn't get her out and the mm. sister of the young woman was um was on the uh, on the carriage as well and of course she was you know naturally i would have been freaking out um and uh but but sadly she passed away Mm -hmm. not the sister well one of them was the sister you get what i mean still a hero yeah but yes haunted forever i can imagine that exactly Mm -hmm. Mm um so I, I feel good about our board. You know, yeah. let's take a quick break and then. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Oh, I got to yeah. add some stuff oh, to the oh, board. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to add two things that I thought of. One was the Lahar that came in 1925 that did a lot of the damage. Oh, interesting. To the river. Yeah. Um, it was uh, uh, not enough damage to take it down, but enough to um, get uh, experts to sort of. Uh, alert authorities that something was going to happen to this to the bridge. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I want to put that one up there, the Lahar of 1925. I also want to say, um, you know, there's something to um, ignoring the experts. I think you know you can kind of draw that to today, even where uh, you, if you have somebody, uh, uh, somebody who's a geologist who knows, like Billy's basically saying about the the lahar getting worse and worse or the potential of a really bad um, lahar causing damage to the, the piers on this bridge. Um, if you have a scientist saying that, you know, uh, you, you said repeatedly during the episode, Rebecca, that authorities ignored those warnings. So I just think ignoring the experts, maybe. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of the plot of don't look up that Adam McKay book. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right, right. For, yes. for those who have seen it, an asteroid is coming to hit the earth. The experts are saying it's going to destroy us. And, and, and the- do you know, did you guys know that that's actually a metaphor? That it's actually a metaphor for, uh, <laughs> for asteroids. For I didn't know. No, 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 no. It's a metaphor for climate change. <laughs> I didn't. Um, I did know that because I, you told me. Yeah. They, they, oh, all right, we'll talk offline about that. It was mostly an <laughs> asteroid in the we movie. Don't have time. We don't have time to go down that. <laughs> okay, let's now let's take a quick break and start crossing things off the list. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy... Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash alarmist. And we're back. Hit us, Chris. Okay, who's to blame for the Tangawai train disaster? The 1945 volcano eruption? Lack of risk assessment? Lack of gutters and wet dry vacs? Lahar. Second class carriage. Classism. Bridge design. Infrastructure slash lack of maintenance. Lost love. Engineering slash the engineer, Cyril Ellis, who well, gets the big clap. Yeah, no, we don't. We don't blame him. We just <laughs> no, we, we just know off. that he's he's he getting the big clap. Yeah. He's he gets the big clap. The hero. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Let's skip that one. Uh, Lahar of nineteen twenty-five or ignoring the experts. Okay, this mm. is a really good list. Just for time's sake, I'm going to cross a few things off real quick, and uh, we can cross lost love. Even though I love the story, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for romance. Um, we can take that off. We can also take probably the gutters and the wet, wet dry vacs. Oh, I disagree, but okay. <laughs> I think it's I more, it's more important not to ignore the experts than to, uh, to not exta- install gutters. Well, we should check with an expert to see if a wet dry vac would have done some, yeah. some good. Yes, that's a good point. It. That's or a few wet dry vacs. My instinct here <laughs> is that it might have been sort of a drop in the bucket so to speak mm-hmm. okay. i just when i said gutters i think i meant rivers but mm. i understand i oh, understand oh, oh, rivers are big gutters yeah yes <laughs> rivers are mother nature's gutters right. yes that's 100 percent accurate um okay let's also take off a uh, second class carriage and classism i just don't think that's what caused this tragedy right. this time mm-hmm. now We've got bridge design and infrastructure or a lack of maintenance. I think it's more the bridge design than the maintenance of the bridge, if that really? makes any sense. Well, I, I would I would push back on that only because if you think about this 19 Lahar of 1925, it mm. wasn't the bridge design. It was once that happened, then oh. you're talking Weakened. about maintenance. You're right. Oh, you're talking oh, about oh, is, oh yeah, yeah. You know, reinforcement and maintenance based on that event and the p- potential, as Billy kept saying, for a bigger version of that event. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I had forgotten about the previous Lahar. Um, so let's fold bridge design into like lack of maintenance, maybe. Yes. Instead yes. Instead of, okay. I agree um, with that. Bridge upkeep. Like, you don't want to get on an elevator that hasn't been inspected in 75 years. No. At some point, you're like, someone, give it a look. We have, a, we have, a, t- we have a term on the alarmist, Billy, where we, we've upgraded the term maintenance, where it's not like maintenance. When people think about maintenance, they're like, oh, we have to maintain something. It's a, like right. a chore. We, we kind of zhuzh it up and we call it maintenance. Oh, maintain long. With an exclamation point. It's like, yay, we get to maintain things. (laughs) It's our civic duty. I love that. 
we're yeah changing the conversation around name, yeah, maintenance. Yeah, we shine it up. We shine yeah. it up a little mm-hmm. bit. Subtle improvements. It's a rebrand. <laughs> yeah, it's a rebrand. That's what it is. Sorry. <laughs> um. So. We we still have ignoring the experts and the Lahar of 1925 and the engineer and the lack of maintenance. Uh, I mean, and then the actual Lahar that happened. <laughs> right. Um, I think we can take lack of risk that folds lack of risk assessment folds into maintenance pretty much, and not listening to the experts. And yeah. the and oh, and we have the volcanic eruption of 1945. So actually, this just got hard. Because it feels hmm. like everything here. Yeah. The, the volcano eruption feel like it's a volcano. It's going to, that's inevitable, right? Right. Yeah. Like you built the bridge down river from a volcano. Right. So yep. it's like, you can't really blame the volcano for doing its own thing. Right. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I guess no, the, what, yeah. I, the, what I was the- going to say is that it's the, the, they built the bridge over the river the, under mm-hmm. the volcano because they need to, I don't know, get, cross. get places. They need to cross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you gotta. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, there was a song that I learned in Bible study school uh, about 30 years ago. And I think it went like this. Don't build your house on the sandy land. Don't build your house on the shore. Even though it might be nice. Well, you'll have to build it twice. Yes, you'll have to build your house once more. Wow. And so mm-hmm. it's warning you about erosion, obviously. But mm-hmm. it's also trying to tell you to um, set up shop in safe places. And it sounds like this bridge was next to a volcano over a river, which is implicitly dangerous. Mm. So it feels yeah, like you got to have that's... a little bit more. So do we put location on the board? <laughs> Yeah, maybe location. I guess, should... but what do you what do you expect? They yeah, yeah they have, you have to build to... a bridge there. I guess. Well, if, if you want the train, mm, maybe go maybe tunnel build... next time. I don't know if a tunnel would have helped it for this. Oh, me one. neither. Also, me neither. it's <laughs> nice, when they were building this. When they were building it, the engineering like, do they have the expertise to build it? I don't know. Who knows? You know what it is? It's like uh, you need to every 25 years, you just kind of have to like come together and be like, is this still working? Is right. this still Has good? Got new science. <laughs> yes. New, new science. Right. Incorporate the. Incorporate uh, new science and new knowledge. Why don't we do like that? Rich... Why yeah. don't we do that more often? We should be having like State of the Union's. I, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's exhausting to have it like once a year, but like, I don't know, maybe every 10 years. Like the census. You got to get your driver's license renewed. You have to say that my eyes still work, my brain still works, True. everything. I'm functional enough. Yeah. Why not the bridges? I mean, this seems to me then that's pointing towards some of the specific direction to me. Like this the, is more like like it, it, infrastructure, ex, like ignoring the experts kind of yeah. thing that it is like Lahar and because there were two Lahars. Right. You know, yeah. and, and, and just to sort of add a little bit of color, what I thought was interesting, but we didn't talk about was that. Um, Okay, so they had this volcano eruption, and then obviously the the lake started to form, and the sides of it were made of a tephra dam, which we talked about is just like ash. It's like soft material that's going to mm-hmm. be broken down eventually. But the tephra dam was buttressed on its sides by glacier mm. and snow, a snowpack, and glacier. Mm. So what ha- that that also contributed to it when then the snow melted during the warmer seasons, the it tephra weakens. dam. Right, was right. weakened by that. Right. So we could have thrown on there the change of seasons, but I, I, I think that's sort of. But I just thought that was an interesting yeah, layer for sure. Yeah. Um, but it, but again, it kind of goes to what Clayton's saying, which is like, here you have this volcano which has these like geological phenomenon that like happen, and so what do you do in light of all that information? And right. that, that falls under kind of. Experts and engineering, I think. And they built the bridge with the Lahar in mind. It was yeah. supposed to be able to withstand it. And then that Lahar of 1925 that Chris threw up there came and it weakened one of the things. And you have right. experts coming in saying, you know, we got to A, B, and C this stuff. This is and not great. Not looking good. It doesn't good. happen. And then you got to get a big die. wet back up there. <laughs> Stat. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or so- if you don't have a, a wet back big enough, get a net 
get a really big net that mm. will catch the lahars before they hit the bridge. Mm. Then you can a, drag the lahars net. around the bridge and put it in a dumpster somewhere away from the bridge. I think the blob would just go the through the net. It can go well, through pretty... It has to. It has to be a good net. Not Billy's I, I, you net. know what I'm coming out. I'm coming out <laughs> of this. <laughs> I'm coming out of this realizing that I don't want Billy to ever be an engineer. Yeah, I, I, of I think course not. No, stick no, to comedy no, and podcast. No, no, you do not want that at all. I think it's Billy's type of out of the box thinking that engineers that that could spark something yeah. in a real engineer. All right. I well, actually well, think he'd be a helpful. Yes, Chris is right. Room. Chris is right. <laughs> we'll put him in the writers' room for engineers, uh, yes. but we won't actually. Have him do the engineering. Um, Stay away fair. from the equipment. Let's, yep. No let's, tool touching. No tool touching, Bill. <laughs> let's take off the volcano eruption of 45. Let's take out the the Lahar of 1925 and the regular Lahar, the, the Lahar mm-hmm. of 1953. Um, because I think it all falls more into, you know, it, it, Mother Nature is going to do what Mother Nature does. Mm-hmm. Big facts. You know? Um, Big facts. So... I do think lack of gutters. <laughs> Here's what I'm thinking. I think that we ignoring the experts, right? Mm-hmm. Should go to the alarmist jail, and we should slap the uh, engineer oh. for wow. for the lack of maintenance. Engineers. To me, oh wait, wait! Engineers was for the the actual bridge, right? right? The ones who okay. So we slap a lack of maintenance and we send ignoring the experts to the alarmist jail. What do we think about that? I mean, that resonates with me. That does too. Although I would argue that you could roll the infrastructure into the experts or or the uh, lack of maintenance rather into the experts. Because what you're, what the experts are saying is, we need to. Right. Oh, right, right, right. I guess it's we're saying the same thing. So it would be like slapping. It'd be like putting someone in jail and then slapping them once they're in there. I think. Okay. So but, let's let's not double uh, double dip on 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 that. Let's let's. I mean, send ignoring the experts to the alarmist jail, and then we're gonna slap the original engineer for not thinking uh, that a lahar could be as big as it was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean. I, I I tend to agree with that. The, the original construction of the bridge, the location plus, I mean, it was only, you know, a couple of decades later, that was 1925. It was built in the. It was built in 08, I believe. 08, yeah. right. Yeah. So There's definitely had, some wishful thinking where it's like, what could go wrong right. next to this volcano? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, Doesn't okay. it seem like train cars should float? They seem like they're the perfect shape just to float. Yeah, Billy, don't don't get into engineering. Um, okay, right, right, right. Just don't be in the room, the but don't have any don't touch the tools. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, all right. Good morning. I got a big idea here. Train cars. What a nightmare! Float. You're a nightmare. Off those rails, toss them in the water. All these scientists are like, "Why is he here right now? <laughs> Whose son is he? Um, exactly. Glow in the dark. Glow in the dark seats." Um, before you call it, Reeves, I yeah. also want to offer a big clap. To the, uh, oh, the yeah. driver yeah. and the fireman. So the driver's name was Charles Parker and the fireman was Lance Redman. And what they did was stop, you know, the train. like you said earlier, yeah. they tried to stop it. And okay, what that we're... did was they stopped the back half of the train. That's mm. a good call. We're going to give Heroic. claps first. I'm going to do it. Hold on. I need, to, I need those names. Who are they? Charles Parker. Okay. And Lance Redman. Okay, here we go. Cyril Ellis, Charles Parker. Lance Redman, you're getting the big clap. The engineer and the designer of the original bridge, you're getting the big slap. Ignoring the experts, you're going to the alarmist jail. Lesson learned. Lesson learned. Do not ignore experts. Nope. Do not ignore climate experts. Do not ignore health experts. scientists <laughs> mm-hmm. just don't ignore them and if you have a bucket full of water in the back suck it out with a wet fact <laughs> yeah billy has I a bucket problem in his backyard we I gotta guess. take care of billy's bucket if you see water forming spill it out that's what new zealand I, maybe should have considered I, early on i don't think you understand um mountains uh volcanoes i, I don't rivers I don't. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> spill it out <laughs> just tip the river over <laughs> oh, Billy. Well, you know, we couldn't have done it without you. 
We. <laughs> I think you could have. <laughs> I think you could have. <laughs> but seriously, but it wouldn't have been as fun. No, no. Thank you so much for your, helping us get to the bottom of who's to blame for the Tangawai train disaster. <laughs> it was my distinct pleasure at eight a.m. to do it. After the Tangaway train disaster, according to New Zealand history, following the 1953 disaster, the Queen awarded Cyril Ellis and John Holman the George Medal for their service at Tangaway. William Inglis and Arthur Bell, who had together rescued 16 people, received the British Empire Medal. In 1954, a board of inquiry recommended the installation of an early warning system upstream on the Wangehu River, a moderate-sized lahar that flowed down the river in March 2007, caused little damage and no injuries, thanks to a sophisticated monitoring and alarm system. Visit our website and let us know who you think is to blame at www.thealarmistpodcast.com, and follow us on Instagram at thealarmistpodcast and on Twitter at Alarmist The. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early with fact-checking by Chris Smith and editing by Molly Hockey. Additional writing by Anastasia Kousakis. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Alex Paul. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith and the Erios Network. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing... The Fire Festival. Erios. Powered by ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.